Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. One second, man. My uh, router just fell over. No worries. Take your time. Do your thing. Give me a shout. I show up early. I was uh, cost you your time yesterday. (laughs) Well, it's it's nice for me to be doing one of these in the daytime because most of my guests are either based east or west coast of the states, and you know, as you'll know, most musicians don't tend to get out of bed or want to do anything before the middle of the day well that's why they're where they're they're, that's why they're where they're at (laughs) so for me to actually be on a zoom chat in daylight is is a refreshing change john and um there you go man shit grateful well let's get it let's get it rocking because uh i'm i got a lot of shit to do as i'm sure you do always yeah i just finished your book which one oh that one. one all right Evolution of oh, the Chrome Magnum. You got the first edition too. Yeah, man. And I've got to say, there's there's a few passages in it that I'd like to focus in on to start the chat off. But there's there's one sentence which really jumped off the page to me where you talk about how adversity builds character. And that's something that I've always felt and thought ever since I was a kid, as long back as I can remember. And a lot of the best people that I know are people who've been through shit. And right. 
I think when you you go through hard times and you overcome them, you know, it does instill good qualities. And I, I'd like to just start there, if that's all right, and, and get your take on on that and, and how going through shit in life and getting through it and coming out the other side does indeed make us more resilient and, you know, greater empaths and, uh, you know, harder working people. Like so many good qualities, I think, come from the struggle, don't they? Yeah, man. I mean, you know, that's why they say whatever doesn't uh, kill us, it makes it makes us stronger. So, you know, I posted about my teacher, Robert McKee, yesterday. This is your writing teacher. Yeah, that true character is only revealed under pressure. The greater the pressure, the greater the revelation of true character. So if you think about that, everybody walks around with a mask in public characterization. Oh, I'm this, I'm that, I got tattoos, I'm a tough guy, I'm a, you know, check me out, I'm a hot chick, this, that, I got all my shit together. But the real bullshit detector is when you apply that pressure. That's when the true character of that person comes out. And I've seen it time and time again, so many instances, you know, if you read the book, you know, my journey on the streets in New York started 1976, I started running away from boy from the boys' home I was in and all these crazy circumstances. And it was always, I always noticed out on the streets especially, that's why KRS-One said real bad boys move in silence. They don't make a whole big show about what's going to happen and, you know, and it, there's another analogy, empty barrels make the most noise. So the ones that's always talking shit, when it comes down to it, they fold like a cheap suit. Some of the baddest people I know on the planet are the most humble and unassuming. So, you know, it's like, it's it really takes that pressure to see where people are at. And, you, you know, I've learned to welcome it and to realize it and to move forward through it. That's why I take up the challenges that I do and always assign goals. And I always got, I'm always getting after shit. I talked about it in that book, the PMA effect. That's the one I'll be buying and reading next, John. And I'm excited to read that one because for me, I've really connected with that philosophy in this last 12 month period. Um, you know, as as a professional DJ, a lot of my income and livelihood comes from touring and performing and, you know, playing out and about, which has been removed in the last year. So I've had to massively readapt not just my financial yeah. lifestyle, but my my mental attitude towards life because, you know, the chips have definitely been down this last year. And I guess the main thing with PMA is that it's not being happy go lucky all the time, but it's even through the hard times, keeping that optimism and hope in you alive to get through the fucking shit to make it through exactly. to the other side i mean you know that's what i say i'm a, I'm a work in progress too like my my i got fucking demons from my past i got shit i'm still working through they the, the you know they they rise up you know from time to time and you got to deal with it but this last year has been a huge test and what i said was that and it's why I started a coaching business that deals specifically with discipline. Because if you didn't get your shit done in the last year, all these projects we had going, uh, 
it wasn't it wasn't a lack of time. It was a lack of discipline. And and I tried to use the last year to get healthier. I finished two books. I'm working on a new album. I trained and finished an Ironman last last November in Cozumel, and I was sick as fuck. I got that Mexican bad water. So race day. Growing up in the porta potty in the woods, you name it, it was an ugly day. But <laughs> I got it everywhere. I got it done, man. You know, we'll spare the details on that. <laughs> but you know, it was. I, a, it, I wrote a book this year as well, John. I, I used I can't my. I see it. Hold I it used, steady. Life, life, life in, in the, the stocks. So nice. it's based on conversations from this show, I got your old friend Jesse Malin to write the foreword. Oh, yeah, he's great. Very kindly agreed. And um, yeah. I saw Jesse in 1981. I think he was like 14. And yeah. he was playing Max's Kansas City with his band Heart Attack. And the fucking guitar was bigger than him. <laughs> we go way back. He's a good guy, isn't he? And, he's I mean, the best. He's there's there's a lot of mutual friends and people that I know and have had on the show that I know you're good friends with. And that's why I was excited to talk to you today. Uh, Absolutely. You know, Michael Alago, who I'm friends with on Facebook as well. I love his almost daily updates of you coming around to his apartment. Well, block I delivered a game last night and we had, <laughs> you know, as they say in your country, we love taking the piss out of each other, man. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. He's no. a great, he's a great person. And, uh, through this whole thing, I, I've been cooking a lot more at home because I was also getting the recipes together for my cookbook. That's one of the books that's coming out. So, I, you know, I, I would be testing the recipes and making food. And the thing was, I, you know, I'd always make a little extra so that I could bring him food because he has health issues and can't, re you know, the restaurants weren't open and he's not the type of guy that's going to sit there and cook. So I was like, what the fuck, you know? Just like it started out casually, like, hey, you want a cup? I got a couple of extra, you know, whatever the fuck. And he'd be like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, then, it, you know, it's just like the whole escalated. Fucking, the Tupperware <laughs> fucking, you know, with the Tupperware, just like the latest one that I just posted. He posted yesterday. He's He's a great person. If you haven't seen his documentary on Netflix, who the fuck is that guy? He signed so Metallica. Good. He worked with Cindy Lauper, Public Image Limited, Johnny. L I mean, you name it. He did U2's first show in America. Yeah, no, I mean, we we guys... spoke all about that on the show, and I read his book as well. I I'm Michael Alago, and again, somebody like yourself that has been through like hell, absolute hell, to get to where he is today, and yet he still like yourself has this spirit and and light and positivity that just shines out of you and it's just i think it's a true testament to the kind of people you are that you know you could easily have given up a long time ago right and got mad yeah, at the I world mean, and down I, on the world and, and that's not to say i haven't been knocked on my ass i mean i i, I fell into a, a relapse of addiction for two years in 88 to 90 you know free base crack cocaine pills drinking it's not how many times we get knocked on our ass it's how many times that we get up and one of the things I have a 10 step process to uh, becoming more disciplined in life. And one of those processes is to identify your support network. Who the fuck are you hanging out with? Who are you spending your time with? You know, the people we spend time with, we're going to take on the qualities. You know, if, if I'm not a crackhead, 
I'm not hanging out with crackheads. If you're hanging out with thieves and drug addicts, you're gonna you're probably gonna end up being a thief and a drug addict. There's no other reason to associate. You give association like I have people that I know that I have addiction issues and I'll help them work through it. Uh, and I speak at drug programs and I've been to I've spoken at prisons. I've spoke, you know, we just did a documentary called 30 to Life with a bunch of guys who served over 20 years in the worst prisons in the California uh, prison system. And uh, so, you know, that's that's a different issue. But I try to surround myself with positive people and uh, top tier human beings that I can learn from too, men and women that are kicking ass in life. And, you know, I'm writing this discipline book now too. That's, that's like, that's, I think it's, I don't know, forget, I lost track, uh, four or five, it's book number six. And it's all about discipline and what it takes to achieve goals in, in life. You know, what, what the quality of discipline is that, you know, habits create routine you know the 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 habits that we choose daily create the routines and that those routines become who we are and that's why discipline is important you know it's like the rudder steering the ship you know i was in the navy i was work i worked as the quartermaster we would steer the ship so the rudder is everything you know when you give a command right right rudder 30 degrees or whatever that's moving the rudder of the ship. That's directing the ship and steering the ship on your course. Discipline is that rudder. Without that, you're going to be thrown all over. You're going to be rocked by the seas of life, man. So I just, uh, and there's so many people talking shit on social media. All the day, flap, every day. The, the flappers. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I got that. Yeah. You know, I got a million things going on. I'm going to be a fucking rock star. You know, it's like, I don't give a fuck about that. I look to see the example people are setting. That's why my teacher, Prabhupada from India, said, examples better than precept. There's all kinds of people talking shit. I'm looking to see what are the actions of that person. Yeah. Not the words. What are the actions? That's the real character. That's the true character. Yeah, and another thing you, I don't know whether you directly say this in the book, but it's its what kind of in, inspired a certain thought in my mind, which is that so many people just seem to be asleep at the wheel. Um, yeah. And, you know, this last year has been such a period of, well, it should have been, I think, for everybody, but it's certainly been for me, and I'm sure it has for you as well, a period of, of self-discovery and self-reflection and growth and change and, you know, evolution. And a lot of the people that I see online are just like, I can't wait for shows to return, which, of course, we all can't, but that's kind of all they're thinking about. And it's like, well, your, your life isn't on pause right now just because you can't go to a gig. You can still be doing so many of the things that you right. want to do. Well, I think like myself personally, this whole time and taking this time to myself, I put my value system under the microscope. You know, what's important? All my tours were canceled yep. with the Crow Mags. All my walking tours, I'm a tour guide in New York City, deaded. So I said, all right, you know, it's not about flipping the fuck out. You know, so what did I do? It's like, like they say on the street in New York, you got to knuckle up and guard your grill, right? So I went to school for 
to become certified as a coach, you know, motivate. They call it a life coach. I hate that fucking term because it's a lot of fucking cheese ball motherfuckers in that industry. Yeah. And I, I coach in discipline and mindset and stuff like that. So I used that time. I went to school for over eight weeks, you know, uh, in the course. Uh, you know, like I said, I was training and keeping positive and cooking good food and posting videos. And, uh, but it really made me think like, even if no matter what, cause these lockdowns, you know, I have my take on this whole bullshit that's going on. And, you know, I think it's to usher in the, the, uh, the fourth fucking, uh, generation of this whole massive change they keep talking the industrial revolution the fourth you know there's a lot of shit being piggybacked on these lockdowns and all this bullshit and taking more control of people's rights taking taking away people's rights but i'm not gonna sit there and post political bullshit all fucking day long i i i i know what the fuck's going on i'm not a fucking idiot i can see what the fuck's been going on and it's un, it's 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 uncalled for and unjust but they're doing what the fuck they're doing so we have to alter what we're doing so that we don't start bugging out like yeah. that's and I've noticed a lot of people, all they do seem to do is complain about how the government isn't representing their best interests. Like they're somehow, well, they aren't. somehow they're, yeah, but like they're somehow surprised by that. It's like, of but course, dude, come of on. Course if, they're you, not. if you, if you're surprised by this, you forgot your fucking history Yeah. because the government, it's called corporate America for a reason and England and Scotland and all these fucking countries. It's the same shit. Yeah. It's run by greedy corporate motherfucking scumbags. And the, you know, the only conspiracy is the conspiracy to make fucking money. So you got all these companies, IBM, and they're rolling out this like trace and track bullshit and all this other fucking shit that's going on. And it's all to make money. The world's billionaires are loving the lockdowns. They increase their wealth. I think uh, the last I heard that they, they, they made $40 billion more profit. Jeff Bezos, all of them. So keeping these mom and pop stores shut, who the fuck's going to benefit from that? Well, I yeah. can't go to these shops. I have to buy at the big shops. I got to buy online, Amazon, and all this other shit. And I'm walking down the streets in New York, and it's a fucking ghost town. Yeah. Every fucking storefront has a for rent sign. They put a lot of fucking businesses out of business. And they allowed McDonald's. Now, if you say trust the motherfucking science, well, here's the science. 78% of all COVID, uh, the people who were affected the worst by COVID got deathly ill or fucking died. 78% of them were obese with comorbidities and uh, pre-existing conditions like type 2 diabetes and, all the, and high blood pressure, heart disease, all the rest of this shit. You know what it's caused from? Companies like fucking McDonald's, Burger King, with your fucking Whoppers, Kentucky Fried Chicken, KFC, which stands for killing fucking colons as far as I'm concerned. And where's the push to shut them down? Yeah. They were fucking considered essential workers. There's the fucking hypocrisy of this whole bullshit. So 
You got to be able to fucking turn off that fucking television. That's yep. why it's called television. Whose fucking vision are they telling? The news people are reading fucking scripts. They're paid marionettes. You think they wrote the shit? You think they're just speaking freely? They're reading from a fucking script that's handed to them. They can't go off script. If you do, it ends up like, remember that movie Network? Yeah, or, or I was going to say Anchorman. <laughs> fuck off. Yeah. So they're being fucking told what to say. And no, I hear you, 90, man. Ninety percent of the world's media is owned is owned by four corporations. Every single one of them had vested interests in these companies that are profiting during this whole shit. But the point is, I spoke my piece on that. And well, I just like to every- see more people get off social media and, as you're, I think, alluding to, live their life in a positive way. Yeah, they're going to try and take away our freedoms and, you know, put in these things in place that stop us living. But we can still get outside and do it if we choose to, rather than just sitting on our phones going, I hate the government, I hate the media. Why don't you go outside and change the way you think about the world by engaging with the world in a different way? Right. Yeah, well, you can't even engage because now if you go, I saw people being arrested and fucking for sitting on the fucking boardwalk in Brighton, in, in Brighton by themselves. So like they're not even allowing you. See, there's a huge push to manipulate the masses. And I just wrote this whole song about it, uh, you know, of what of what's going on. So I use that. I said to my guitar player, Tom Capone, he's in Blood Clot, my band, my new band. And I was like, take all the anger and put that shit into a song. He wrote the sickest fucking, it's like Slayer meets Quicksand meets the Cro-Mags. And it's fucking brutal. And then I wrote the lyrics to match up to it. So you have to understand something. It's manipulation of people's minds. Like when you sit there, you know, Frank Zappa talked all about it. You know, the slime, the slime oozing out from your TV set. I'm obsessed and perverted. I'm obsessed and deranged. I've existed for years, but very little has changed. And then he says, "Has have you guessed me yet? I'm the slime oozing out from your TV set. That's why... They got you locked in. I'm walking through the streets of New York. Every fucking thing is about COVID and masks and get the vaccine and all of this bullshit. Fear, paranoia. Fear. They're pushing the fear agenda. That's what it's all about. It's they. This is what I just wrote. Fear is weaponized, mortally wounded, victimized, rats hiding in holes for the manipulation of souls. That's the type of shit I'm I'm taking what I'm fucking seeing going on, which I've done since I've been a musician in 81. I, I, I've been calling the bullshit out. You know, now, so so now the term New World Order was used by all the politicians around the world for years. Starting after 9-11. That rhetoric, oh, we now see a new world order. Every one of them said it, Obama, Bush, Clinton. So now they call it the Great Reset. It's got a new name. Just like aspartame was proven to cause all these fucking strokes and health problems. So what did so what did Donald Rumsfeld do, who actually owns the patent on aspartame? He changed it to a sweet-sounding name. It's now called 
amino sweet. And it's in everything. It's all about the marketing, isn't it, John? It's the As fucking you know. marketing. And they've marketed this whole fear agenda. Fuck fear. You know what I say fear is? It's an acronym. False emotions appearing real. It's fucking and false evidence appearing real. So fuck all that. You have control over you. Many people relapsed into fucking addiction and all this other shit during this time. And that circles right back to your opening question about pressure, right? It's pressure. The pressure is there. And that's where coal becomes diamonds over millions of years of pressure. So you got to get your game together. You got to get your shit together and, you know, stop worrying about all of this other shit. It's good to be informed because I got to know what the fuck I'm talking about. That's why I studied all this shit and I studied food and I studied nutrition and I follow the experts because I want to know what the fuck I'm talking about. When I say GMOs, genetically modified food is fucking poison. I want to know why. And, yep. and, it, and, and the reason is it's created by chemical companies that are using massive amounts of fucking pesticides. And those pesticides is the reason they're there to sell more chemicals. They don't care about saving the world. What do you think? Bill Gates has 500 fucking hundreds and thousands of shares of Monsanto, which had to change their name. They were bought by Bayer Pharmaceuticals who made the fucking, um, the gas, the Zyklon B gas that went into the Nazi death chambers. These companies, they created fucking Agent Orange. You want food companies that created this bullshit, making your food, chemical companies? And, and look at Bill Gates. He's now the biggest owner of farmland in the United States. You think he's going to practice proper food rotation on crops and bring the, and bring the masses um, organic, sustainable fucking produce? Hell fucking no. He's going to put GMOs in the ground. He's doing it all over India. If you, uh, and I suggest everybody follow her because if you want to know what Bill Gates has been doing, and I'm going to tell you her name right now, she's the biggest activist against all this bullshit, and you need to follow her. Vandana Shiva. And if you go to Vandava Shiva movie on Instagram, you follow her. She fucking called it out how Bill Gates and Monsanto and the rest of them took over the food supply in India and Africa, destroyed the land, made people fucking in debt so that the only way they could get out of debt was fucking to drink the pesticides and die and get the insurance money for their families. This is what these people, have, these are sick fucking human beings. So I need to know what the fuck I'm talking about when I go on Joe Rogan's podcast and Rich Roll's podcast or your podcast or any of these podcasts. I need to have the ammunition in my fucking, in my fucking uh, MP5 Heckler Koch fucking machine gun to fucking fire off the statistics. And that's the whole shit. It always comes back to statistics. Research uh, Zach Bush, who's a doctor. The, the implementation of genetically modified foods and those pesticides that started in the 80s correlate exactly with the spikes 
in IBS, Crohn's, and the rest of the intestinal fucking stomach diseases, including uh, colon cancer and the rest of it. That's because it destroys the gut biome. So it's not about just being plant-based or vegan or whatever the fuck you want to call it. It's about digging to the root of why all these problems are happening. And that's why I wrote books like Meat is for Pussies. And it's a comedy book. Um, that's how you, you reach people, though, isn't it? Is mixing information hey, with you know, entertainment. Everybody got, everybody got their fucking panties in a fucking bunch. And what about the know? title? Yeah. I didn't come up with it, though. Somebody else did. And it was a woman that ran the publishing company that said, no, we want to run with that title. You got to, you got to. It's going to sell books. <laughs> well, she said, you know, you have to be disruptive in the space. If yeah. you're just like, you know, I was originally going to call it the go green road to health, fitness and longevity. And my, my friend was like, yo, who the fuck are you? Dr. Oz? Nobody wants that book from John Bloodclot, lead singer of the Cro-Mags. And then he's like, I told him about a story about this guy in the gym and he was, my friend, I was holding pads for him. He was training. He had a, a fight coming up, MMA fight. And um, and he, I started telling him about nutrition and how greens improve, uh, vastly improve your endurance and fight inflammation. And some fucking 1980s gym rat type motherfucker was like, yeah, people that don't eat meat are pussies. And I'm like, I said, what? So that's how the conversation start, started. And, uh, you know, the book is nothing really about just eating meat. It's about all the toxicity that we're ingesting. So the title goes, yeah, you know, you pick up the book, fuck this motherfucker. Like, who the fuck, you know, Joe Carnivore Diet, okay, you know, got their fucking nuts in a bunch. But then when you open up the book and you fucking read through it, that's the first thing I say. I ain't judging nobody. I said, I got family members that eat meat I fought, and friends. I love them all. This is a book to wake you the fuck up, to stop putting poisons in your fucking system and yeah. care about the planet, how the planet's being destroyed. You know, there's a new movie coming out called Seaspiracy, and it's all about the destruction of the oceans. And we're not seeing it because everything's hidden underneath. But guess what? The fucking scientists are saying... We're looking at devastation of the oceans like you wouldn't believe. You know that Fukushima is still leaking? Where's that fucking story in the media? I just talked to people in Japan. I did an interview on their podcast and I asked the guy. And guess what? I just did something with Vice over there a few years ago. They flew me to Tokyo. Fukushima is still fucking leaking into the ocean. But it's out of sight, out of mind. How come they're not fucking, how come they're not pushing that story in the media? They ain't got that shit under control. The interrelation, John, between the material world and the spiritual world, is that how you try and stay sane through a lot of this destruction and mayhem and fucking, <laughs> there you go. That's because... how my day starts, man. Right. Like, listen. I've been in this shit for years. I'm a soldier in this fucking space. That's how I come at. But believe me, if I didn't do this, meditate, and if I didn't read and study philosophy of the Bhagavad Gita every day, I'm cracking this open. That's the latest passage. 
I'm getting my mind fixed first and foremost. The first thing I do when I wake up is touch my fucking head to the floor and say my mantras to my spiritual teacher and God, Krishna, whatever name you want to call God, I give thanks because the main thing people took away from that book, The Evolution of, the, of a Cro-Magnon, is how the fuck are you still alive? Yeah. I don't ever forget. Just like I said, the first time I ever freebased was in Miami and the guy stole two kilos of coke from the cocaine cowboy motherfuckers down there. They came and shot up the whole house I was in with AR-15s. They did a walk around at before sunrise and firing into the room where I was sleeping because the dude left the house and I was he said, yeah, you could sleep in my room. And after two days of being up smoking freebase, these cartel motherfuckers came and shot up the house because he ripped them off. That that was my freebase journey. That's how that started. And yeah, the that's whole, the start. <laughs> that's the start of it. I can't even tell you the other shit that I was doing. I had I had fucking contracts out on me. What you know? It, it's called in, in New York. They call they call it a KOS or TOS. Terminate on site, kill on site. I was just walking up, robbing motherfuckers in the projects. There's a chapter in the book where you get into your girlfriend at the time's car which you don't have a license for and you go basically and, and I have federal warrants <laughs> and you go you go robbing dealers in that car and that that story is one of the most insane things I've ever oh, heard. Oh, when I the Colombian. Yeah. The Colombian where I almost fucking got killed cuz the dude who was supposed, you know, the whole way that shit went down it was like the dude in the back seat who always ran his mouth that he was, was a tough guy. He was the tough guy. I'm Cuban. I said Cubano. Nobody fucks with Crazy Dave. Blah, 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 blah. You know what? The guy gave me the two ounces of blow, and there was a word. Yo, this is some dope shit. That was the key that was word the signal. For, for the dude to hit him with the, the Kyoga, the steel baton. And when the dude was getting in the car and leaned over, the dude in the back seat saw that he had he was strapped, that he had a fucking 45. And he froze. So he was like, he was shook. So I had to handle the business. I was like, there ain't no way this motherfucker's getting out of this car with this cocaine. This is mine now. <laughs> and then the story goes on from there. Do you think but, your spirituality and that path that helped you get clean? Do you think you would have managed well, to get it clean me, without it, that? It helped pull my, my head out of my ass. That's what I fell back on. And, and, and I and I adhered to my plant-based diet the whole time. I would be up for two, three days straight freebasing and then wake up after sleeping for two days and be like, yo, let's go get some fucking wheatgrass juice. And motherfuckers would be like, wheatgrass juice? Motherfucker, the shit I just saw you do, you need to be in fucking Bellevue in a straight jacket. <laughs> but I would go and get the wheatgrass and eat for a day and then right back to the drugs. But it was, I had to, like I said, you know, you talk about rock bottom. I had to go below, I had to go fucking, you know, you hit rock bottom. I went under the rocks. I was with the maggots and the fucking worms and just crazy, crazy shit. And I had to lose everything. And 
the story that I tell with the fucking feds and all them motherfuckers trying to catch us at the airport and I got away. Like, I would probably still be fucking sitting in, in a prison somewhere if they would have caught me. Yeah, that, but, that story as well is like something out of a movie, isn't it? It's just yeah, dude, complete like, ca- chaos. I, I, like, that was back before they even x-rayed bags. I we, we sold her car for two ounces of blow, two plane tickets, and like, I, I forget, I think it was like 500 bucks cash. So I put one in the under check that went into the belly of the plane. I carried the other ounce in my backpack and took it into the plane with me. And then I found out she told her father, her friend who told her father what flight we were on. And I was like, you think I would have been like, that's it. We're going to get separated now. Here's our Casablanca kissing moment. You know, I was like, we got to sniff all that blow in the overhead. That's how fucking crazy I was. And she was terrified of me because she saw what I was doing. And I imagine the whole plane was pretty terrified by the time. Oh, yeah. I was going up and down, fucking coke all over my face, shouting verses of the Gita and fucking like, you know, the stewardess was like, you sit down or we're going to have to pull it. I was like, the cops are already going to be at the gate. I don't give a fuck. There's nothing you can do to me now. Do you, I mean, because again, there's there's this moment in the book where you say, like, after everything I've been through, I'm not going to go down like this because of the fucking drug addiction. Like, after everything you had gone through, it would have been such a fucking tragedy if at that point that's what would have claimed your life. Well, right? and- what happened was when I got back, they got her in the airport. This person's stepfather that married her mother is the one who did Ronald Reagan's inaugural ceremony. ceremony for president. I mean, her family was major, major, major players. And so I got, I said, if we get separated, call the bar, which was like the Coke bar called the Alcatraz, where like everybody went to that was doing drugs. So I get this phone call and I'm thinking it's her. I was like, hey, Kate. Oh, I said her name. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I never used the name. Kay. K, special K. I say, I say K, and she and the phone, the voice goes, "It's not K, it's her father." And I go, "Wow." Uh, he goes, "You're good." He goes, "You're good, John." We had detectives all over and police all over L.A. looking for you, all over California, and he goes. I mean, we tried to sell her car and they put they had put a warrant out on me that I kidnapped her and I was in a cult and that I stole her car. So that's how they were going to get us. The, the car was reported stolen. So we went to her friend at the dealership and he goes, yo, I ran the VIN number. You guys better get the fuck out of here. The cops are on the way. This was out in Palm Springs. So we drove back and dumped the car to this drug dealer she knew. <laughs> Get on the fucking plane. And she called her friend at the airport because she was terrified of me. And do you think that was a kind of conscious call for help? Do you think she absolutely, absolutely. She wanted out. She didn't know how to get out. Uh and rightly so, you should have been terrified because the shit I was doing, I was yoking motherfuckers up. I just had no 
regard. They got that saying on the streets of New York, no regard, beau regard. I was just taking what the fuck I wanted by force if I had to. If you didn't give it up, then I took it. But the thing was, um, when he talked to me, I, I said, he goes, well, here's the deal. Either you stay away from, they put her do- their daughter into this drug rehab program called ACI, which is on 57th and 10th. And they said, either you stay the fuck away from my daughter or you're going to prison for a long time. They had all these charges on me. Plus, he knew I was AWOL. Like, they knew everything. So I, I, I go, but I love her, man. <laughs> Click. <laughs> So I took that cocaine and I went to this crack house in the projects over there on Avenue fucking C and D like this fucking decrepit abandoned building where I knew everybody free based. And I went there with my shit with the two ounces. We cooked some up. These motherfuckers came up behind me and hit me in the head with a fucking pipe or that, whatever the fuck it was, knocked me the fuck out and took all my shit, my money, my coke, everything. I went to Tompkins Square Park. It was pouring rain. I just sat there fucking rock, like balling, man. Like I lost everything. I had people looking for me in New York, everything. And I went to the ashram, to the Krishna temple. I said, if you don't let me stay here, I'm going to be fucking dead. So that's how I started climbing back out. I got back into my meditation, my my training, all of that shit. And that was uh that and that was the way out. And I, I've been sober now um I don't know, 21, 21 years. Do you count the time, the days, and do you do like meetings and that kind of AA approach? Nah, I don't do that. You, I, you don't that's do that. not for me. For some people, you need that. Whatever, go for yours. Whatever it takes you to get clean and sober, I'm all for it. I have my process of doing it. It, it it's you know, it's through the meditation. It's through, uh, you know, training for Ironman. It's it's. You know, in helping other people, we remind ourselves of the lessons that you, we need to remember, you know. So yep. I'm always there to help others as well. And, you know, that's what guys like Michael Alago, that's what he does. He's, he remains of service to so many. He's, he's helped get so many people clean and sober off drugs and alcohol. He doesn't talk about it, that what he does, because he doesn't look for brownie points. But that dude has helped. Many, many people get clean and sober. He's an amazing guy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I want to ask you this, John. You talk a little bit in the book about the relationship between evil spirits and ghosts and drugs and alcohol. I wonder if you could shed some light on that and the relationship between the two, because it's not something that I think a lot of people are, f- are familiar or aware with, is this idea that, you know, the, the spirit world and particularly the evil energies that exist beyond this realm, you know, that there's more often than not a link, isn't there, between people who use... Why and do you think they call it wines and spirits? And the spirits is the harder shit. Well, you know, according to the Vedas, which I study from India, there's ghost living entities that have, have to exist without a gross material body. So they, resi- they exist in a subtle form and you can't see them because, you know, we, we, we have limited vision. So what happens when you take intoxication is your third eye opens up, but it opens up unnaturally, not through meditation or some deep yogic practice. So you don't have control over it. That's why when you see these people and they're fucking talking to themselves, it's like ghostly haunted. So I'm actually working on this TV show all about this kind of world, which is fucking amazing. And this person who taps into some crazy shit unknowingly to herself. And it's this amazing. You know, I, I, I'm I'm kind of developing the pilot for it, but it's nothing anybody's ever seen. But, uh, you know, many people have experiences seeing ghosts. And I saw one when Cro-Mags recorded an album at Normandy Studio. They had a ghost there called Norman. And it was a it was a fucking uh, musician that OD'd in the house where the studio was because they had the living facilities upstairs. And he died from from an overdose. And I wasn't high on nothing. You would hear fucking noises and all this shit. And one time, it was about, uh, we were working on mixes. And it was just me and the engineer, Tom Sorez, who was producing the Cro-Mag record. And it was like 4 o'clock in the morning. And he goes out to get some food or whatever. And I'm sitting in the studio. and in. The console is here, and in front of me is the big glass window where the live room is, where you set up the drums and all that. And I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, this light comes to the fucking window, and I see this face. And I'm, as soon as I look, I still get goosebumps. And I looked at it, and I was like, and then the fucking face pulled back, and fucking like the, the room got dark again. It was fucking, it was fucking crazy. You know, like 
people only accept what they can see with the five senses, but there's a whole other realm that's existing out there, you know, the sixth sense. Like we have five senses, but what's that sixth sense? Like the movie. Like, you know, there's there's some deep shit that people cannot explain physically that exists metaphysically. And that's why I study the ancient teachings of yoga and the way these master yogis were able to the eight mystic cities, S-I-D-D-H-I-S. It's a it's a fascinating, fascinating world. And one I want to bring in a modern spin on it. And the female character of this thing that I'm writing is such she's such a badass. And um yeah, man, like I've had to do a lot of soul searching and seen a lot of fucking crazy shit in my days, man. I've seen people I know through drug use lose their mind and get haunted by spirits, man. You know, um it's it's crazy shit and it's and it exists and it's just like we can't see the waves of the cell phone or the internet or anything. Does that mean they're not there? Yeah, the they're whole universe is just, energy, right? The whole the energy is there, and you tune into the frequency, and you can get the energy. You turn your cell phone on to the five G, and guess what? Boom. So it's the same thing when yep. you tune into those frequencies. The minute you take intoxication, it puts you on the mental platform. That's what it does. You have now taken yourself out of the spirit realm because you're dealing with intoxication, which affects the mind. You're on the mental platform. So the minute you take some intoxication, you may get some visions if you take some mushrooms or peyotes. That's what I was going to ask. What's your thoughts on ayahuasca? It's it's temporary. Uh, Listen, if you use ayahuasca to get off heroin without fucking which is what they use it for without i have a friend he you know they tried to put him in jail in america because he was doing the ayahuasca ceremonies he's helped hundreds of people get off heroin without methadone ibogaine and ayahuasca so that that to me is hey it's better to use that natural medicine and than methadone or whatever the fuck else they're going to give you but that's a temporary stage. That should never be a part that's continuously going throughout your life. Oh, I'm going to fucking do another mushroom trip or this or that or the other thing. Listen, life is a razor's edge. And if you're dealing with addiction, even more so. One slip could be fatal. What so, do you think happens after this life, John? The afterlife. Pending, what, what does that have in store? Bhagavad Gita, whatever consciousness one remembers of the t- at the time of death. That's why people always say, you know, you talk to people that had near-death experiences, what do they say? What do they always say? My life flashed before me. My eyes. Why is that? Because the mind is bugging the fuck out, and it's trying to attach itself to that thing it felt the most comfortable with throughout your life. If that's bullshit, you're in trouble. If that's higher consciousness, guess what? You're going to take you're going to pick up at that point in your life, in your next life. 
if you put in 25% of spirituality work on yourself in your next life, you pick up at 26%. There's no loss or diminution on this path. Everything we have materially finished. You don't see any luggage racks on top of hearsts. <laughs> he does. <laughs> you ain't taking the shit with you. And even the quote today, Chanaka Pandit yesterday, a famous philosopher in India said, Chanaka Pandit says, time is so valuable that even if you pay millions of gold coins, you cannot get back even a moment. What is lost is lost for good. Don't waste fucking time. Don't Amen waste to time. that. Do you think that this pandemic experience has had a positive spiritual awakening effect around the world or not? I felt like for it did at the start. Has. For then... some it has, and for some it hasn't. Those that took shelter of what their sadhana practice, sadhana means your daily spiritual practice. Like my girl got uh, qualified to teach meditation through the, uh, the Tibet Institute here in New York. A lot of people did a lot of fucking hard work on themselves and improved. But a lot of people went backwards. And the ones who fucking tuned into the fear-mongering fucking TV shit and the media, they ain't doing too well. I don't, I don't pay attention to none of that shit. I go out on the streets. I do what the fuck I want. You know, if I got to wear a mask in the store, fine. That's their fucking rules. I wear the mask in the store. I wear the mask. They make you wear the mask in the gym. I wear the mask in the gym. Uh, you know, whatever, whatever the fuck. But, you know, like, I think a lot of people stepped up their game. I know I did because I was like, I'm not going to fucking... When everything got shut down and New York's was the epicenter of the whole shit as far as deaths. And why? What did the governor of New York do? The governor Cuomo ordered the nursing homes to take in COVID patients or they were going to lose their funding. So these politicians are responsible for a lot of these deaths. And a lot of these deaths, my great aunt, was in hospice dying of cancer. So they ordered, okay, you know, fucking, you got to take the COVID patients. She was already dying, but she got COVID. They listed her death as a COVID death. So there's a lot of bullshit going on with the numbers, the PCR test, all this bullshit. But the fact of the matter is, um, you know, you know, this governor caused half of all the deaths. And here's what a piece of shit these people are. Governor, all these Democratic fucking states that have the most stringent lockdowns in America, they, they the deaths that happened in their states was caused by them. Every one of them states ordered the nursing homes to take in COVID patients. So Cuomo hid the evidence because he had a book coming out on how he dealt with the pandemic in the middle of the pandemic. Can you fucking believe that? And he got an $800,000 book advance. Now, what if those numbers came out and said, well, wait a minute, you're responsible for fucking over 10,000 deaths of the elderly because you are a bully and you ordered the nursing homes to take in the COVID patients. And now it's coming out. He's sexually fucking 
harassed and grabbed and groped fucking seven women who worked under him. So there's one set of rules. This is what people need to understand. Whether you're in the UK or the fucking US or Australia, there's one set of rules for these motherfuckers and they ain't following the shit they're telling us to do. And then there's another set of rules for us. They're treating us like we're the serfs. Fucking go work for them, kick back the money so they can live in fucking mansions. And then they give you a $1,400 check. Oh, this check's going to save your fucking life. You know what's going to save your life? Opening back up the fucking states and letting people get on with their life and stop pushing the fear. You know, and that's why I say this, all this meditation and the reading and all this stuff, it combats this negative energy that's fucking constantly being forced down our throats. It's nourishment, isn't it, for the mind it's and body and soul? I ate better. I cooked better. I trained harder. I fucking, I, I meditated harder. I studied more. I got my work done. I helped other people. You either use this time to better yourself or you went to shit. Or as they say in Ireland, to shite. <laughs> Is New York still a place that has that old school New York spirit? Is that still alive in that city? It's you... fucking dying, man, because what's been replaced is a bunch of these fucking sheep that moved to this city. Many of the New Yorkers have left. I'm talking about like, I'm I'm thinking about getting the fuck out of here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because what the fuck? They, 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 you know, it's not like the city of old where you could go to fucking go see bands and do all this shit. They, they're going to keep this shit going, you know, for as long as possible. They're already running the variants. Oh, the variants. Fauci the fucking fraud who has so much dirt on him with the shit he's been doing with pharmaceutical companies. He tested AIDS drugs on black children in foster homes in the 80s against their will. He was responsible for many of the AIDS deaths by pushing poisonous fucking drugs and disallowing alternative, um, you know, therapies to be used. He banned them. So they had to travel outside of the U.S. to Mexico to get fucking... This guy is... And even Joe Rogan said... Why is there one fucking guy? Why is there one guy running the whole show for America? Why the CDC and the WHO are run by the drug companies. They're run by pharmaceutical companies. People need to pay attention to what the fuck is going on and the narrative that's being pushed. Where is the narrative? Hey, meditate more, get out in the sun, eat better, exercise better, take supplements uh, quercetin and vitamin D3 and, and, and zinc and all these other, uh, sources that build your immune system and strengthen your immune system. No, that's not the narrative. The narrative is wait for the shot. And it's not approved by the FDA. It's AstraZeneca is having causing blood clots. It got fucking pulled all this shit. That's not the answer. The answer to health problems are not contained in syringes or pill bottles with your fucking name on it. All right. That's, that's just the facts. And, you know, people could disagree with me all they want. I'm a living example of 
what the fuck can be accomplished. I'm turning 59 this year. I'm still out there in the fucking gym. I'm still out there crushing it. I'm still training and competing in Ironmans. I'm writing music. Hopefully, I'll get the tour soon, whatever. But, you know, I, 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 I think once power is gained, they don't relinquish it unless it's taken back by force. Yep. The masses need to get together and say, yo, fuck this bullshit. It's time to get on with life. Yeah, and I feel like we're all too busy fighting amongst ourselves, That's especially, what they especially do. on the left. They just squabble away like... What's the agenda? Divide and conquer. It's always yeah. been that way. Like I said, anybody who doesn't, who trusts the government, obviously does not know history, even in the United States. Operation Sea Spray, the Tuskegee uh, Airmen experiments, injecting people with syphilis, injecting kids with fucking AIDS and all kinds of shit to test drugs. These are sick fucking people. So if you're trusting them, you need to fucking check into a fucking, to the fucking loony bin. And the media is just fucking controlled, owned, and operated by the corporations. And they push the corporation's agenda. I I think you can live a happy, productive, free life as well outside of all that shit. And you just kind of laid down there all the, you know, the the solutions to to get into that place of peace is exercise, good diet, good company, good, you know, good lifestyle, good living and just loving your heart. It sounds like hippy dippy shit, but. It's, nah, kind of, it ain't, man. it's simple it ain't, when you think about it. That ain't some smelly, hippie, Birkenstock, tree-hugging, fucking granola-munching bullshit. That's the truth. You know? It's not corny. It's, uh, if you've, you know, that's the thing they were able to do was doing this whole shit. Even with all this shit that went on in the States with the riots, they let people go burn down motherfucking cities. It, the shit, the shit's hysterical. And you see that? That's my friends in the ninth precinct. I support the motherfucking cops. I never snitched on a motherfucker in my entire life. I don't, but I have friends that are cops and they're good fucking people. And you know what? Guess what's happening now? Oh, we want to refund the police because crime is out of control. Well, what the fuck did you think was going to happen? Crime is out of control in New York. They don't even put that shit on the newspapers anymore of what the fuck is going on in this city. Me, I can, I can, the ones that say defund the police, abolish the police, and you look at them, I'm like, motherfucker, you need the police. You are (laughs) fucked without the police. Me, I survived on the motherfucking streets of New York in the 70s. I got shot. I got stabbed. I got fucking, I went to lockup. I survived. I went back on the streets. I got stabbed again. I fought like a motherfucker. Fucking gang members coming in my burnt out building that we lived in with guns trying to take out shit. You motherfuckers ain't cut out for that. You need the fucking cops. And now look what's happening. The same people that yelled abolish the police. I guarantee you one thing. They got 911 on speed dial in their fucking phone. Because the minute... They get put in check or get their fucking jaw slapped. They call fucking 911. And I've seen it time and time again. Is there some fucked up cops? Like the one who put his fucking knee on that on George Floyd's neck? Of course. 
But that's the agenda that was pushed. And it just created massive amounts, just like all the people that followed uh, Trump or follow Biden. They're all fucking corrupt. It's just to separate the people. It's like the WWE. When the cameras are off, it's they're going exactly having fucking like drinks. Hey, we fooled those fucking dumb fucks. Cheers, guys. Ah! Let's have a fucking bite. People don't realize they're being fucking manipulated and played like fucking fiddles. I don't, I never voted in my motherfucking life because that's not the solution to the problems. That's why if there's a book called The Science of Self-Realization written by A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, my guru, my teacher, and it said spiritual solutions to material problems. What did the police sing? There is no political solution to our troubled evolution, right? That we are spirits in the material, the material world. world. Oh, spirit. Hey, I can see. That's the path, isn't it? And Dude, we, we can't control all of knows. that, but we can control what's going on in here. You know, we can get our spiritual and, and kind of souls in order and combat the world as best we can. That's it. That's it, man. You fucking, that's your coat of armor, your positive mental attitude. I talk about it in this book. I'm getting it next. That's, I can't that's wait your to read coat it. of armor, man. And they're going to try to deploy their fucking daggers. You keep the proper mindset and you live your life. You Every day you wake up, you meditate, you study, you fucking get after it. You eat a good diet. You fucking exercise. You get out in the sun. You treat others with respect, regardless of what religion or political affiliation they have. The people need to come together. That's what needs to happen. Not drive another wedge between people, which is what they've been able to do in the last year. It's fucking unbelievable what they've fucking been able to do. You think they're giving up? They're relinquishing the power that they have, that they locked the fucking planet down? You think they're just going to give that up? Nope. <laughs> they're not. They're going to come with the next bullshit story that the fucking media is going to tell everybody. Just like, yeah, there's WMDs in Iraq and we have to invade Iraq. And Osama bin Laden uh, had fucking guys with box cutters and all this other sh fucking bullshit, dude. It's fucking bullshit. It's bullshit. They've been doing false flags on people for fucking for decades, man, and getting away with it. And conspiracy theory, that term was first used to discredit people who questioned the John F. Kennedy assassination. And the CIA used that fucking word. So now anybody who questions the narrative, I might is a fucking conspiracy theorist. Meanwhile, what are you doing? You ain't even checking. Going blindly shit out. along. Yeah. You're just fucking blindly like a sheep. And you know. That when they, when they, when they bring fucking sheep to the slaughter to get them to go into the kill shoot, you know what they use? They use a sheep. They have one sheep that's trained, and it goes bad, bad, and all the other sheep follow it. And then there's a door that opens right before the kill shoot. That sheep that led them in makes a left and gets out, and then the, the door shuts behind the rest of them. And they're forced into the death chamber. Don't be fucking sheeple. Check shit out for yourself. 
be intelligent. The information is out there. And that's the one thing I said. You're never going to defeat these people politically. You know how you fucking defeat them? Spiritually. That's something they can never stop. And it's time the people wake up spiritually on this planet, take control of themselves and their lives, take responsibility, get in front of that accountability mirror, like David Goggins says. Hold yourself fucking accountable. They can never stop an idea whose time has come. And that's what this is doing. This is fucking knuckle up and guard your grill. What side of the fucking fence are you on? That's what's going on. That's the way I that's the way I fucking see it. I'm a street motherfucker. You ain't hustling me. I'm like I've put so fucking 76 I was in foster homes as a fucking kid getting fucking cheated. Once I got out of that fucked up foster home that abused us and took all the money and fed us dog food and beat the shit out of us and worse I said, ain't no motherfucker ever bullshitting me and lying to me again. And ever since I went on the streets in 76, facing life and death, I never fell for the old fucking one-two hustle. I'm always checking shit. Asking questions is a sign of intelligence. They made it a sign of disobedience. Obedience to who? To To your bullshit? I'm always going to question shit. That's what the Vedas say. Bhagavad Gita, Srimad Bhagavatam, Ishopanishad. All the books say questioning is a sign of intelligence. So I'm never going to stop questioning shit. That's what, that's till I take the last breath in this fucking body. That's what I'm going to do. You can't say fairer than that. Did you used to live next to John Leguizamo, John? Is that right? Yeah, John Leguizamo, I lived in 195 Stanton. That's between Attorney and Ridge. And let me tell you something. If you don't know nothing about that neighborhood and the Pitt Street Projects, there wasn't no fucking white boys down there. John Leguizamo lived above me. And a friend of mine that I wrote something with helped him write his first, like, I think, Spicarama or one of them fucking things. The one-man plays that he used to do. Yeah. Uh, Mambo, Mal- I, I don't know. It was one of the first ones that he did. This friend of mine, Rick, uh, worked with him. And, and then John Leguizamo blew up and then bought a, a whole building, like a townhouse on 7th between uh, C and D. I don't know if he still is living there or whatever the fuck, but I, I, you would see a lot of people around. Vin, D- you know, Vin Diesel, Mark Vincent, going to Bad Brains and cro shows back in the day and it's a lot of famous, uh, you know, uh, Steve Buscemi. When I did the two shows singing for the Bad Brains before CBGB's closed, he came out, brought his kids, and I got, you know, like New York was just that. That's what it was. Everybody was chill. Like, I don't give a fuck if you're famous or whatever. If you're an asshole, then I'm going to tell you to go fuck yourself. I don't give a fuck how many movies you made or records you sold or fucking how much money you got. Like, that's New York, man. We just tell motherfuckers what time it is. But, uh, you know, I just keep writing. I I, I got um, hired. Uh, I'm going to be working on this TV show coming up that's all about the Lower East Side in the early 80s. A dramatization? 
Yeah, but the real shit, because it's never been done before, because they always get some motherfucker, Hollywood schmuck, Make or it some asshole who lived outside those circles. Because the motherfuckers that lived it, a lot of them didn't make it through to be there telling stories, or they did, and they're not a writer. I'm both. I'm a writer who studied to be a writer and wrote. And I'm also a motherfucker that survived all that shit and seen the craziest shit. So I'm very excited about this. It should be getting going in the spring, I'm hearing. So with the writing, that's what they say. If the writer don't work, nobody works. The writers are the ones, man. It's like you give birth to that fucking idea and it's the ones who see it through and follow it through. Not just the idea people. Every cab driver, well, we used to say that back in the day. Now they're all, you know, Punjabi and whatever. The Ubers. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, but then the, 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 back in the day, the, the thing was every cab driver has a movie idea, but who's going to execute and spend years writing that story? Well, it's like Lou Reed said, right? Between thought and expression lies a lifetime. Yeah. And that's what it is. And it, unless you get those ideas down and get those thoughts into action, then you do spend your whole life talking about it. Yeah, that, that's why I love it. It's about doing the work, rolling up your sleeves. That's a great book by Stephen Pressfield, who, who wrote The War of Art. He also wrote uh, Do the Work. So, like, I have my mentors, and that's another part of the whole process, the 10-step discipline process, which you guys could check out johnjosephdiscipline.com. It's one of the 10-step processes of discipline is to find a mentor or a coach. My mentor, I, I, I'm able to send my script to Patty Jenkins, who did Monster, who won an Academy Award for Charlize Theron with her brilliant screenplay. Yep. And again, if the writer don't work, nobody works. She wrote, she put that story to paper and got Charlize Theron, then took it to the next level through her acting. But who directed Charlize Theron? Patty Jenkins. So I get her to read my scripts and. Ditto Montiel, who wrote Guide to Recognizing Your Saints, which was um, Robert Downey Jr.'s comeback movie. Nobody would give that guy a shot. And Ditto, and he comes from the music scene too, the punk rock scene in New York. And Elgin James, who's doing the Mayans now uh, on FX. Like he he read my script. I adopted the evolution of a Cro-Magnon for screen. So like to get notes, and have these people as mentors in my life is it's invaluable and you so, gotta learn from the best right who would play you in your movie john i don't know man somebody with some reach though because like it, it they gotta go to some dark ass motherfucking places and it's really gonna be broken up into that first two two characters really like the the uh the, the kid in the home and then you know the uh do you, know who you, do you know who should play adult you? Sam Rockwell. You know, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell is, I actually know him because my, Sam Rockwell is a fucking dope boxer. My trainer trained, Aaron Dzavanovsky trained Sam Rockwell. And Sam, if you're listening to this, what's up? He used to train Sam at Crunch in lafayette street here in new york because they had a they had a ring up on the second floor so all the muay thai guys 
and you know, professional boxers would come there and train. It was really a fucking dope atmosphere. So Sam Rockwell used to train under my trainer, Aaron, who is a fucking beast. And Sam would be putting in the fucking work, man. Like, I'm impressed by that guy. I'd love to run into him one day. Somebody I know just had him on their podcast or whatever, but I'd love to run into him on the street. He's a super cool motherfucker. But I think he might be a little, you know, too old to play me, man. (laughs) (laughs) I could see it working, though. I love that dude's work, man. He's epic, man. Uh, John, man, thank you so much, dude. You're a great guy, and the fucking book You see what's behind me? was life-changing for me. I love this. Go on. You see what's behind me? Is it the Sex Pistols? No, that's the Bad Brains. That's um, Shepard Ferry for Obey. Yep. Sent that to me, signed. That's off the Bad Brains' first single that they ever did. Had pay, pay to come and stay close to me on the upper side. That's uh <coughs> that's an early poster from that period. Weren't you in the studio when they were making their first album? Absolutely, I was. And you know how I got to be in that studio? Cause this fucking drug gang that murdered motherfuckers for hire and had the biggest drug spot in the United States. Their bodega for their lookouts was next door. And they came in 171, trying, like I talk about it in the book. No, the Beastie Boys were there. All these motherfuckers, the Bad Brains were playing. And they tried to, sh- they did shut the show down. Came in with knives, smacking everybody, and nobody would fight them. I happened to be, at that point, taking drugs. I was on a Quaalude, <laughs> a 714 lemon, which they call a gorilla biscuit. So... I fought, I knocked the first dude out that tried to stab me. And then I got in a knife fight and I had a chain, old school DC style, big ass heavy bike chain fighting them motherfuckers and and trying to stab me. And I I, I made my bones, so to speak, on the street. And then the Bad Brains let me move in with them. They saved my life, though, because I couldn't go down there. They put a KOS on me, kill on sight. They were showing up with guns every like looking for me. Cause I knocked out their fucking leader. Like their tough guy. Bang. He didn't think I was gonna drop him. I fucking dropped him, bashed his head off the curb. <laughs> and then they all came at me and then like it was crazy. I I lost the chain. I tried to run in the studio and them motherfuckers tried to close the door on me, one of the beastie boys to keep me out. So I pushed in and just as I did, they stabbed me in my shoulder. And then I couldn't come down there for a long time. But finally I said, you know what? Fuck it. I went and faced them and I fucking walked up. They're like, you a dead motherfucker. (laughs) Trying to take me to the building. And Doc, the guitar player from the Bad Brains and Daryl, the bass player, ran out and was like, yo, 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 chill. And they were able to mediate between us. And then I hung out with them more and ended up going on tour with them. And my band Blood Clot opened up for them. We were the roadies. And that's how the life changes happen out of like some crazy fucked up shit. All this beautiful shit manifested, you know, out of out of uh, out of what happened. It's like even the lotus flower, it exists 
above the fucking turbulent muddy water and is never touched by it so it was like it's just amazing how the whole path manifested itself to me because that's when i got off drugs i went fully plant-based I, I i worked out we went on tour with hr i was running with him every you know morning and meditating and smoking a whole lot of fucking ganja but <laughs> i don't do that no more but yeah, yeah what, man. what an inspirational band Oh, unfucking believable! Anybody that wants to see the real representation of them, go to CBGB's Bad Brains Full Set 1982. You'll see that why when I saw them right around that time, 1980, like April, they had just started growing dreads, and when I met them, it was life changing. I was like, and I'd seen bands in the 70s. At CBGB's in Max's Kansas City, you know, the Ramones, all that shit, the Dead Boys, whatever the fuck. But when I saw the Brains, it was just like, that's why when the Damned, they opened up for the Damned at the Bayou Theater, I think it was 79, the Damned were like, we got to take these blokes with us to England. People are not going to believe these four crazy black punk rockers. And they didn't make it over. But like, you know, they had that effect on everybody. On every fucking body. You talk to any of the guys in these huge bands, Fishbone and fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers, Metallica, any of these bands, and they're like this to the bad brains. Maybe one day somebody will write their biopic, man. Because they fucking, they changed the fucking world, man. I'll just leave you with this last thing, because I always talk about paying it forward. And... Last year, we did a festival um, with uh, outside in, in uh, Rhode Island. And uh, HR's band opened up, was playing, too. So somebody in the park, HR was sitting in the car in the parking lot with his wife. And somebody came up and was like, hey, man, you know, it's great, you know, like I've read your books, you help so many people with, the, you know, your positive mental attitude and the dietary stuff and the training. I said, let me tell you something. That person sitting in that car right there, that's the candle that lit thousands of other candles. Because that person right there taught me and taught so many other people. And then we went out and it's like that family tree. That just the branches just keep going out and then bearing and and bearing fruit. But it was him that took the time to mentor me back in the day. He put the mic in my hand and said, you're a fucking, you're not meant to be a drummer. You're meant to be a singer. You got too much energy. He got me my first band. You know, like the whole shit. So like that is the spark that lit all those fires. That's the ki- one candle that lit tens and thousands of other candles. It all comes back to the bad brains. End of story. Much respect, Peace John. And veggie grease, motherfuckers. <laughs> I'm going to come out to New York with Matt Pritchard one day because he is a dear friend of mine. And oh, I, he's I've rolling right him. now. I, I, yeah. I, that motherfucker, I love him, dude. Yeah, I've seen you two grow close over the last couple of years, and it's, oh, been, yeah. it's been a wonderful friendship to, to evolve. and Fucking chill with that dude, man. 
He's a fucking maniac, but such a good <laughs> bloke, as they call it, in your fucking side, in your fucking side of the uh, world over there. <laughs> yeah, when he gets to uh, his destination, which I think will be in like six weeks or some shit, uh, I'll pass on your regards and. Yeah, they just had uh, problems with the boat. I think they were fucking had to get shit fixed in Antigua or some shit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he, a, good he, he's, he's a good an inspiration. egg. Man. He's a good egg, man. Hey, the Brits, all you guys over there, UK has turned out some solid motherfuckers. You guys all come together, stay together, and don't let what the fuck is going on have us hating each other, man. Come together. I'll drink to that. All right, man. Me too. Cheers, lad. Sparkling mineral waters. Hey, I've got some fucking tea. Cheers, John. Really enjoyed All that, right. mate. Thank you so much. Love Cheers. and respect. You have a great day. You too, brother. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk soon. I look forward Absolutely. to meeting up one day Except in the... Uh... link and I'll make sure I post it up. Thanks, John. Right, Take peace. care, dude. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Acast and Befeller. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skide trætter alle de der podcast og forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige dopaminmangel.